Welcome to the Just Elite podcast. My name is Christelle and with me today is Tim Paulson. Tim, welcome to the show and thank you so much for making the time, especially so close to the games. No, thank you very much for having me. I love doing this stuff. It's a ton of fun. Tim, firstly, congratulations on punching your fifth consecutive ticket to the CrossFit Games. What an achievement. Before I get to anything else, I want to I wanna start with, you mentioned on, on social media that you said this one was more special than any other ticket that you've ever punched. Why is that? Uh, so, I mean, the main reason is we've got a son now. So I have an eight-month or almost nine-month-old uh, boy. And honestly, I mean, just... I had questions kind of going into this year, especially with like COVID happening and lockdowns and that changing a lot of things. I mean, especially as far as like stress levels go. Um, and then the biggest one was honestly, if I could still do it with my new balance, like, you know, I, I told my wife um, when we decided we were going to have a kid, I was like, you know, I'm still going to try and qualify for the games as long as we're on the same page, but family will always come first. You know, like I'm not going to miss bedtimes. I'm not, you know, like, Training will definitely be a priority in my life, but, you know, you and Wes are going to be like hands down priority number one, you know, because in years past, it was a lot easier to be selfish. Um, you know, my wife was incredibly supportive of it, you know, just because making it to the games requires a certain amount of selfishness. Um, so, you know, and I wanted to do it a little bit differently this year, um, you know, so massive schedule changes, um, you know, his daycare times largely affected my work and my training day. Cause I'm not just, uh, I don't just train, you know, I run an affiliate as well. I run an online programming business. Um, so basically I was honestly, I had a lot of questions if I could still do it because, you know, again, it was just, I wasn't dedicating a hundred percent of myself to training and recovery all the time. You know, there was just more in my life, um, you know, and yeah, I, I wasn't sure. So the, honestly, the fact that I did it and the fact that, you know, I, how good I feel in training and competing, you know, it just, it was just such a, just kind of incredible moment to be like, wow, like I, you know, like I, with all of this balance and all these new things in my life, you know, I'm still able to, still able to improve my, you know, my, my fitness feels incredible and able to do it while still kind of maintaining that promise to, you know, my wife, my son, that they would be, they would be priority number one. You said that the one word you describe uh, the Granite Games was proud. Were you also surprised with what you mentioned about COVID and training and this change in your lifestyle when you hit the floor for the mm -hmm. first time in, in so many months? Was there a little bit of a surprise of, okay, well, this is actually, you know, I'm okay. I'm fitter. I'm stronger. And, you know, I did what I had to do. Yeah. Oh, there was definitely, I mean, there was a lot of nerve, like probably more nerves than I've ever had competing just because like it had been so long, you know, in for the longest time now, like I've been doing CrossFit for nine years. I've been competing since 2013. So I mean, almost eight years now. And we've been competing so regularly that you just kind of get into a routine and, you know, you have all these competition habits and you're learning things and there's like, you're just getting this constant exposure to competing and that was gone, you know, like granted I competed in my gym at the games, but like, that's not obviously the same. And any athlete would tell you that, like, it's a very different feel, you know? So it was like being back out on the floor. It's like, you know, you're like all these things you kind of forgot a little bit, like just kind of come rushing back. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, after the first day, I would say the second event on day one, um, I paced it perfectly. I executed it really well. And I was really, really happy with like, you know, just the, the tenacity that I had at the end of the workout, you know, like it's very easy when things start to hurt a lot. Like if you're not 
in the headspace of like, I'm doing this to win. And I believe, you know, I believe I can do it. It's really easy to just kind of dial back a little bit and be like, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll step back a tad from the hurt locker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like the last round of that workout, like I just dug in incredibly deep, found another gear and just, you know, I was able to pass a couple guys on the last round and notch out a second place finish. And it was just like, across the finish line, I was like, okay, you are definitely like, you're still here. You know, like you, you've got the drive mentally. It's obviously still something I'm incredibly passionate about. Not that I questioned that, but it was like nice reaffirmation of like, I did it in person and it felt as good as I had hoped it would. Um, so yeah, d- d- end of day one definitely was a really big confidence booster. Um, and I felt that way kind of throughout the rest of the weekend, honestly. Tell us about the rest of the weekend. Obviously we'll get to the final day, which was a phenomenal finish for you and, um, you know, to, to get that, that podium finish for yourself. But tell us about the, the second day and then fighting on that last day and just leaving it all on the floor. Yes. I mean, the second day was tough. Um, the morning workout was an interval workout that I was actually super excited about. Um, I just, we do a lot of interval training. It's actually my favorite like kind of type of workout to do. I just love the work rest, like go really hard and then rest as hard as you can. Um, you know, it's just a format that I love. So I was really excited for the workout. There was a new implement. We had to push a, a, a type of sled that we've never pushed before. So that was like, you know, very Which different. I was kind of like nervous. Which looks but... easy, but it's not. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like, and that's, it had a little bit of a games feel because at the games, you always get new elements, you know, you get new, uh, new implements, things like that. So it had that kind of unique little twist to it that I was really excited about. Um, and you know, honestly it happens when you compete, but I got a super costly no rep in my second interval. So, um, for anyone that doesn't know the workout had a buy-in of muscle ups, uh, hang squat cleans and burpees over the bar that you had to complete each interval. And then once you were done, you worked on pushing a sled. Um, and on my last muscle up, I got no repped for a lockout and I didn't, he didn't no rep me until I had come down from the rings and was advancing to my barbell to do hang squat cleans. So it wasn't like I was still, you know, in the movement. It's like, oh, you know, I'm at the top. I got no rep. I'll just do another one, you know? So it, that cost me a couple seconds. And then frankly, a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of my own lack of athleticism cost me a couple more because I went to jump back up on the rings and the wind had picked up and the rings were swinging. So I jumped up and I missed, I jumped up and I missed a second time. And I finally got them on the third try. So it was like, I just lost about 20 seconds of work time and the intervals are only two minutes long. You know, so there's, it's just an amount of time that you frankly can't make up in that format. If it was a longer workout, no big deal, you know, but, um, so that was a bummer because, you know, I, obviously I felt like my, I'm take a lot of pride in my movement and my movement quality. You know, I, frankly, in my competition career, I've had very, very few no reps. Like I, I can recall probably on one hand, the number of times I've been no reps for just like in a routine movement. Um, so I was pretty, you know, in the moment I handled it as best as I could. Um, afterwards I was pretty, pretty upset and pretty fired up about it because again, it cost me, you know, I think that was my worst finish of the weekend. I was like 18th or something like that. And just, you know, an event that should have been frankly, probably a top 10, you know, maybe not an incredible finish, but like a very solid finish. Um, you know, and those points are costly because these, uh, these semifinal weekends are very, um, there's not a lot of room for error. Like guys are really fit guys and girls, obviously, you know, people are really fit. They're really talented and there's not a lot of events. So you just can't afford to drop points. Um, so that was like a real bummer. Um, but I've done, a, I mean, I've had some pretty bad competition experiences that have forced me to kind of grow mentally and learn how to deal with setbacks and frustrations. 
So I knew how to handle it. You know, once the event was over, I took my time, get my, got my emotions out. And then it was like, all right, you know, black it out next one. Uh, and then I did really well in the Saturday night event. It was a little bit of a wheelhouse workout for me. Definitely something I would consider strengths. It was like skier handstand walks and handstand pushups, which I love all three of those movements. Um, so I was able to notch a top five and that put me into a qualifying spot going into Sunday, but I was in a qual, I was in fifth by like four or like eight points, like just not an amount of points that made me comfortable in the slightest, like just too close, way too close for my liking. Um, so that kind of led into Sunday and I'd found myself in this position before back at regionals in 2018. Um, I caught a bad break on day one was outside of a qualifying spot. And Saturday morning, I came into the building ready to set the place on fire. You know, just like, like when things don't go your way, you got two options. You can fold or you can get angry and perform. And frankly, you know, that was what I did on Sunday morning. Uh, we had back-to-back workouts on a running clock and I was able to, I mean, honestly, it was one of the best memories for me competing because just you get these moments of like what I'll call like perfect flow where just like your pacing feels incredible. Like the workout just feels like it's just happening. You know, like it's, it doesn't feel like it's happening to you. Like you're happening to the workout and you're like, I am just on cloud nine. Everything feels good, feels dialed in. And I was able to notch a third place finish and then a first place finish in back-to-back workouts that were hundred point each. And that vaulted me up in the second place at the time and put me, I want to say it was like, 60 or 70 points clear of the cut line going into the final event. Um, you know, and I, I told my coach on Sunday morning, I was like, Hey man, like I'm pretending the workout that the weekend ends Sunday morning, because for all intents and purposes, it's 200 points up for grabs. There's only hundred points left afterwards. Like if I can outperform here, the weekend's over. Like the last event is really just kind of a, uh, you know, uh, just a formality. Whereas if I don't perform on Sunday morning, like, you don't, you know, you don't want to leave it all to the last event. You, you, that's not a, that's not a fun place to be in. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely a weekend of lots of ups and downs and a lot of bounce backs. Um, but I mean, I think that's one of the other reasons that I'm so proud of it because it didn't, it didn't go smoothly. You know, it wasn't a perfect weekend. Uh, you know, I had a misjudgment on the snatch. I had that costly no rep, like just little mistakes that some are in my control, some are out of my control. Um, and I was just really proud of how I handled them all and kind of how I managed the emotional roller coaster of the weekend to, to get my ticket. And then that beautiful photo that you posted of yourself on the podium with your son, that must've been a proud moment for you. Yeah, I was, I mean, there's definitely, um, it's just one of those things that I'll remember forever. You know, it's like you, you never, like, you never any like, you know, athlete that's been to the games, whether once or 10 times, like they'll tell you that you, you never take any trip for granted. Like it's because of the nature of the sport, how competitive it is, how slim the margins are. Like you never know if you're going back again, like you can work as hard as you want. And sometimes it's not enough. And that, you know, that's it. So like, you know, I've always tried not to take for granted the fact like each year I qualify, it's like, it's better than the last, you know, like it just, I never take for granted that I'm going to go back there. Um, You know, and that was like, that weekend was definitely, that was just kind of the feeling I had on the podium. Like, you know, it's, I put in, you know, it's nine years in the making, it's nine years of training. And it was, you know, this last year was really difficult for a lot of people, myself included. And I was just, you know, it was just crazy proud. And like, just to have that, you know, to have that shared moment with, you know, with my son is just, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, it's one of those things that you'll look back on in like 10, 15 years and it'll just be like, 
you know, just a cool story to tell them. Like, hey, you don't remember this at all, but I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to go back a, a, a few notches back. You you spoke about the games last year that uh, the first stage of the games that you guys had to perform on your own in an affiliate. Does that make this year even more special now that you you you, you, you say, obviously, you didn't take it for granted, but missing that and not being able to go through and be one of the five or one of the top 10 athletes that actually made it to, you know, to the range. Oh, 100%. Um, and, like, I've talked to a couple buddies of mine, you know, that have been to the games a couple times as well. And, like, everybody felt, I mean, unfulfilled might be the wrong word, but it's not the same. You know, like, like every, everybody obviously wanted – to go to the ranch, you know, like that was on everybody's mind. That was everyone's goal. Like everybody wanted to make it out there and yeah, just, it didn't feel the same, you know, like there's, there's something really, really special about being on the floor at the games, like the environment, the fans, the, like, just like knowing that this is like the absolute pinnacle tip of the spear. And like, you know, like these are the best, these are the best athletes in the world. Like these are the best athletes of what we do, like that experience and being on the floor with everybody and like, you know, stacking up, like that's what it's all about. And you definitely, you know, I'll, I'll speak for everybody. You didn't get that vibe in your gym because again, it's like, you're working out by yourself. You don't know how other people are doing. You know, you're kind of just waiting for the leaderboard to update and roll in. And especially with, you know, the fact that some guys did get to go compete in person, it was definitely, you know, you're like, you just feel like you missed out. Like even, even if you had a, you know, a good finish, like, like, in any other year, if I came 14th at the games, I wouldn't be mad. Like, I'd be like, you know what? That was probably like, that would be a performance that I'll be proud of. And I am proud of what I did. Don't get me wrong. But when only five guys advance, it definitely just doesn't, you know, just doesn't feel the same. So it's definitely, you know, I don't know how many more years I'm, I've got left. How many more years I'm going to do this. I'm safe to say it's at least another one or two. Um, but, you know, to make sure that again, not taking anything for granted that, you know, if, if I were not to make it back to the CrossFit games ever again, obviously that's not the plan, but if that were the case, yeah. you know, the fact that my last year would be on the floor in the real CrossFit games would definitely, you know, it means a lot, you know, I don't, it, and again, it's not going to be my last time. I fully intend on going back at least once or twice more, but um, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's special. And it definitely means a lot to get back out there and kind of, you know, after what the whole world has been through to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy. <laughs> But I mean, Tim, you, you did really, really well at the 2020 games. It was your best finish thus far, even though it was within the four walls of your own gym. So that must have that must give you a little bit of a confidence boost, knowing that even though the setup was different, your training was different, uh, obviously you, you, you became a father, so many things changed. You are still getting better and stronger each and every year, regardless of what the world is going through and what you are going through personally. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And like, that's, you know, we look back at that weekend and it's like, Hey, we're going in there. Like I'm fitter than ever. You know, like I was 20, was I 29 or was I 30? God, how old am I? I'm 31 now. Yes. Uh, I was 30. <laughs> I was 30 last year at the games. And it's like, you know, Hey, I've been doing this since I was 22, 23. And like, I'm getting fitter every year still, you know? And like the fact that this year, you know, I still feel better than ever. It's like, you know, what we're doing is working. Um, you know, so like, I definitely didn't take that for granted. The fact that it was my best finish ever. And even if it was in a format that historically, you know, historically I do well in online competition. I always do, you know, the opens a pretty strong stage for me. Um, you know, so I I'm comfortable in that environment, partially because I've always been a bit of a loner. Um, just like, you know, that the being by myself and pushing by myself doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I was comfortable in that format, but you know, I'm hopefully going to better it this year. So that's, that's, that's the goal that we're going into, into the season with anyway. Well, with your performance this far, I think it's pretty sure that to say that we will see you move up on, on the leaderboard. So tell us about your, let's first start with this, your business, you're a business owner an affiliate owner. Are you affiliated because it's called Palace Fitness? but you don't mention CrossFit. So it's not affiliated. We are affiliated. So actually, so we, uh, our affiliates CrossFit Palace, we opened in back in 2012. Um, We were CrossFit Palace until 2019. We actually opened a second studio within our gym. uh, And we were basically trying to branch out a little bit to try and reach a little bit more of the, you know, kind of CrossFit in between market, you know, like people that kind of want to do functional fitness. They want to do classes, but they don't, you know, they aren't quite ready for a barbell or, you know, kind of like to hit that little middle ground a little bit. Um, and so we opened a second studio called Palace Fitness. So basically we were running CrossFit Palace and Palace Fitness in side-by-side studios. That was in late 2019. We were open for about six months, COVID happened. Um, so that wasn't a great time to have just opened up a second facility. Um, and then obviously kind of everything happened with headquarters and there was, you know, the Greg Glassman incidents and all those things. And basically, you know, we had kind of, it was our firm belief that while we still CrossFit is at the core of what we do, like as a business, as from our programming, from, you know, a lot of the methodology, things like that, that we had developed our own unique twist on it over the last nine years. You know, like I, I've been programming for nine years now and you know, we do CrossFit, but it's my own unique blend of it. You know, it's, it's a mix of prehab and we don't do certain movements that I don't necessarily love for the general population often, you know, we do everything still, but, um, so, you know, we had kind of just taken our own spin on it. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing is that CrossFit is a draw for a lot of people, but it's also, you know, for some people it's scary. So basically, you know, kind of in our head, when we kind of shut down our other studio, cause it, you know, it was again, six months open COVID shut it down. We didn't have a strong membership. So we're like, all right, all this is happening. We're going to rebrand the entire business as Palace Fitness, and we're still going to operate. You know, we're still going to keep our CrossFit affiliation. We're still going to, you know, we don't, we still call things CrossFit, but we just wanted to be able to, at least from a branding perspective and like on the surface, be able to attract that audience that might be a little hesitant about CrossFit. Um, because, you know, we firmly believe that once someone comes into our gym, they're going to meet our coaches, they're going to see what we do, they're going to experience a class, they're going to love it, and it's going to be for them. You know, like, whatever you want to call it, you can call it CrossFit, you can call it fitness, you can call it XYZ, like, what we do is for everybody, and we know that, and we just wanted to make sure that we gave ourselves the best opportunity to get, you know, to get those people that might be on the fence in the door, because once they're in the door, we know, you know, we know we've got them, we know we have a great service and a great product, and they would stay. So that was kind of why we ventured from CrossFit Palace over to Palace Fitness over the last, like, you know, year and a half or so. Yeah, CrossFit, the name, even when it started, it, it was scary and people had this idea of it, but I think it's gotten even more scary as elite athletes like yourself just get fitter and stronger and the things that you see at the games and what Dave, you know, programs and thinks, uh, dreams of when he sleeps and, you know, puts in the games, it, it becomes a bit scary. So if, you, if you're not prone to, to exercise and you're starting out, it's, it's actually a very, very smart way to look at it. But as an elite athlete, having such a big, having such a big business, because you've got quite the, the staff team and, and coaches team 
at Palace Fitness. There's quite a few people that, that work for you. Balancing that and training and your family. I know you speak about balancing this year, especially with your son. How do you even manage that? Because there's obviously a certain amount of training that you guys have to do. And that's not even talking about the recovery time, which obviously is the most important. How do you balance that with your business? That also going through what we went through as a, as a world, as the world in 2020 and opening a business, closing a business. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, last year was special um, for sure. And, you know, luckily, um, I mean, first and foremost, we have an incredible team, you know, like we, like we are very lucky to have attracted some really phenomenal people who are also phenomenal coaches. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're at the core of what we do, um, you know, and for me, like, so this past year was bananas. Um, you know, luckily when COVID kind of started happening, once it got serious, you know, like after the initial, we're just going to be closed for two weeks. Like after that had faded and everyone was like, Oh, we're going to be closed for way more than two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, once that all kind of rolled around, like I was lucky to have a nice setup in my basement. So I was able to train from home. And at that point we hadn't had Wes yet. So like we had Wes kind of at, I guess the tail end of the pandemic, our son, we had him in October of 2020. So throughout most of the pandemic, you know, my wife works in a hospital, so she was absurdly busy. And, you know, frankly, I was, you know, I would train in my basement when it was convenient. And I was just on my computer, on the phone, on Zoom, basically all day, you know, like it was just, I was lucky that we didn't have anything else going on. So I could dedicate a lot of time to doing like trying to pivot, you know, just like anyone else was trying to figure out how can we still provide value? How can we still offer services in a very modified way to our members? Like how can we best serve them? Um, so, you know, I have, I have like, like everyone, I had a lot of free time on my hands, um, especially because we didn't have a baby at that point. Um, so, you know, I was able to put that to good use and kind of, you know, work with the team and figure out how we could best get through the pandemic. Um, but, you know, kind of fast forward to like how the whole balancing act works. Um, I mean, like I said, I just consider myself incredibly lucky to that we have a wonderful team, like, you know, between my business partner, we've got three or four coaches that are, you know, full-time at the gym. Um, and they're just, they're great people and they're great humans. You know, they're great coaches. They're great faces for the community. And frankly, you know, where I am as a, as a business owner now versus where I was three years ago is vastly different. You know, like three years ago, four years ago, I was still coaching 20 to 24 hours a week. I was still trying to train 20 hours a week. You know, I was doing backend stuff for the business another 10 or 12. Like, you know, there was just like, there was just 60 to 70 hours of things that needed to get done every week. Whereas, you know, over the last couple of years, again, we've attracted some, uh, some coaches that are, you know, now doing this as a full-time gig. So they have, you know, all of their time is able to be, you know, invested in the gym. And, you know, we've started to pass off some responsibilities and just kind of start to share the burden, uh, you know, share the burden, I, a level of, you know, a, a burden of love, but, you know, share the burden of keeping a gym running, you know, and like all the things that go into that, whether from a, you know, kind of basic operation standpoint or, you know, coaching, programming, space management, like all those things, um, you know, like I said, we're just really lucky to have such an awesome team. And, you know, without them, I would have drowned a long time ago. You know, like, I mean, there, there's no way around it. Like I would, I would have drowned in work and something would have had to give, um, you know, many moons ago. So like, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without, you know, without knowing that the gym is in such good hands because I'm not just not there as much anymore, you know, between, uh, between my son's daycare hours and just kind of, you know, again, doing the back end stuff for the business and training. Like I'm definitely not in the business as much as I used to be. 
Um, so, you know, just had to rely on those people. And luckily, I think they're all stellar humans and I can rely on them a lot. <laughs> Are you the only competitive CrossFit athlete at your box? So we have this year. So, I mean, at, at, the, at the games level, yes. Um, this year with the, uh, with the quarterfinals, we had so six or seven people compete in the quarterfinal stage. So in the top 10% worldwide. Um, and then we had two of our coaches actually competed in the masters uh, online qualifier. And one of them finished, I want to say she was like around 50 or 60th uh, in the 35 to 39 category. So the young category, uh, the youngest masters category anyway. Um, so, I mean, we definitely have some very, very fit people at our gym, um, but, you know, from a, a, a top level competitive standpoint, I'm the only, the only one at the gym. But you say you enjoy, you're, you're a bit of a, a loner and you enjoy training on your own. And most of your videos that you post of yourself is you very alone. I mean, I don't even spot a ghost in the corner, to be honest. There's, it's really just, yeah. just you grinding away. And um, yeah, do you sometimes like, grab somebody from another box or one of your competitors from the games, like say, let's, let's just, you know, train together or do you stick it out the whole year and only when you hit the competition floor, you can see, okay, cool. What I'm doing is working. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, so my coach is down in New York city, which is about four or five hours from where I am. And we have a couple other athletes on my program that are like semifinal games, caliber athletes. So I'll get together with them a couple times a year, you know, like maybe two or three times we'll get together. My coach will come up this way a couple times. Um, so I definitely get with other people and like, it's not for, you know, I would say like, it's not that I wouldn't want to do it more. It's just that because of, especially now with like the nature of my life and balance and things like that, you know, it's just harder, um, <clears throat> like harder to either, either get away or have someone come here. You know, it's just kind of tough. Um, but like I said, I'm also, you know, I, I've always been kind of a loner, like, I mean, always like, especially since college, like, you know, I backpacked in Ireland and Scotland by myself for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, I've just, I've always been very comfortable by myself. You know, it's just a personality trait I've always had. Um, so, you know, especially when it comes to training, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, there are times where it gets lonely, you know, um, like, I mean, any, any human being occasionally is like, wow, that really sucked. And I'm very alone. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, yeah. I just think all of it's mental training exercise, you know, like at the end of the day, like I wouldn't do this if I didn't love to push myself mentally, because I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what makes or breaks a top level CrossFit athlete, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's not your raw physical capacity. I mean, obviously that has a lot to do with it, but a lot of it is like, you know, how hard you push and how well you push and how well, you know, your body and just kind of how you approach things. Um, you know, so if, if I didn't have, I have a very deep appreciation for that. And the fact that that happens by myself is, you know, sometimes better because again, it's, some people are very different. Some people only push or not only push well, but they just push better with other people around. Whereas I have no problem just burying myself in the dirt. Like it's, you know, I, if, when I need to do it, I'm like, all right, let's see if I can make myself pass out today. You know, it's just kind of a, it's a weird, bad, I don't know, maybe bad personality trait to have, but it works for CrossFit. Anyway. I don't think it's bad. It's, 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 it's a CrossFit mindset. And I, I think there's a lot of CrossFitters and I include myself. It's not necessarily on a, elite level or professional games level that we we kind of addicted to that suck you know you you push to that point where you you want to faint or you might vomit or cry <laughs> or, or hope <laughs> pass out before before you get to, to any of those that for, for your mental strength training obviously you train on your own and, and you said you're quite comfortable there but 
other other mental training, mental toughness training that you do? Do you meditate? Do you do you listen to podcasts? Do you read? Do you go for sessions with like a, a, a psychologist trainer or whatever? Yes, I mean, a lot of it. Um, so I definitely do. I'm a big fan of meditation, um, like just kind of like, but it's, I guess, meditation or mindfulness, like whatever you want to call it, like just kind of, you know, um, relax, like, you know, relaxing breathing and just kind of like being incredibly present. Um, you know, it's just something that I find very like relaxing and it applies a lot to CrossFit because, you know, especially when you're competing, like if you can be fully and a hundred percent present in the moment and feel connected to your body, like that's, you know, that like, if, if you have like a really deep connection and understanding of your body, you know, exactly how like how you're doing at any given moment. Like, you know, when you can push, you know, when you need to dial back because at the end of the day, CrossFit is an individual sport where even though we're competing against other people, it's just a self-performance test, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like you might see another guy and try and chase him down. Like that definitely happens. But at the end of the day, you can only push as hard as your body and your mind are trained to push, you know? So that piece of it, I'm definitely like a huge fan of. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, I, so for me, I've always been a big philosophy guy. Um, I, so I have a degree in accounting and I have a master's in accounting as well, but I spent all of my, uh, my extra university credits, basically like studying philosophy classes, you know, architecture, weird, weird things that I had passions, have passions for. Um, and I've just always been a huge fan of stoic philosophy. Um, so I read a lot of that, you know, I have a stoic book that I read every day. I have a couple, you know, famous stoic philosophers. I have their like dissertations and their collections at my house. Um, you know, I, I just find it a very appropriate um, way of thinking, especially for, I mean, for life as a whole, in my opinion, but also especially for CrossFit, because, you know, at the end of the day, stoic philosophy boils down to controlling controllables and being very present and very disciplined. And that's, you know, what it all comes down to. Um, so, you know, I would definitely say those are the two biggest things that I've done. And, you know, it's, I don't think like stoic philosophy is so simple, like, you know, like at its, at its face value, it is so brutally simple, but applying it to everything that you do at, like all day long, day after day, like that's where the discipline comes in. Um, you know, and that's where I think it applies most to CrossFit as well, because, you know, being a top level athlete, like it's all about the little things and it's all about the little things day after day. Like it's not, you know, there's no grand sweeping gestures. It's just about, are you doing the right things for recovery every day? Are you doing the right things for training? Are you taking care of yourself? And it's being able to do that all 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, nonstop. I mean, that's what keeps you at the top, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> and I mean, and, and recovering your, your body is, is well, recovering your mind is just as important as, as recovering your body because your your mental strength and your mental you get mental fatigue as well with with this training because there's so much thought that goes into this and there's so much you talk to yourself so much during a workout and and with bad days and good days like why am I not performing well I know you also mentioned that on on one of your recent posts is I'm not feeling great why am I not feeling great why am I not getting better why am I feeling so sucky what did I do wrong so your, your mental recovery how does what does that look like how do you switch off because even just for an amateur crossfit and I've been doing this for just as long as you have but how, you know you think about the workout you think about your performance how do you switch off and go okay fine this happened I'll wait until I get to the box tomorrow and let's try again <clears throat> Yes. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like accurate reflection. So like, you know, for me, 
my wife kind of, she accused me sometimes of compartmentalizing too well, um, but it's definitely something, you know, being able to compartmentalize kind of pieces of my life, especially now that, again, there's a lot more going on with having a kid, things like that. Um, but a lot of it comes down to like, for me, like if a training session goes really well or really poorly, when it's over, I reflect on it because like right away, you know, that's when you're at a, when you're emotionally, you're most raw and like you have the truest, in my opinion, feelings of what happened and you can give the most appropriate, like, you know, like, was I just frustrated? Like, you know, did I have an inappropriate game plan? Did I do something wrong from a recovery perspective? Did I not warm up the right way? Like, so right after the training's over is when it's time, in my opinion, to reflect and basically, you know, take those little mini lessons because again, it's not going to be about sweeping changes. It's going to be about small things, at least at, at a certain point, you know, at, at a certain stage, it becomes just about making really minute changes and kind of taking those really small little, like kind of micro victories. Um, so for me, basically reflection after a training session is super important. And if I reflect immediately, then that leaves me frankly kind of free for the rest of the day. Because again, just like from a, from a stoic philosophy standpoint or kind of however you want to approach it, like once it's done, it's done. And like once the activity is done and once you've reflected adequately and you've taken any lessons you can take from it, that's it. You know, like, like there's nothing else to do. You can't do anything else about it. Like, so I'm not, you know, if I have a bad day in the gym, I'm going to reflect and I'm going to be like, okay, how can I make tomorrow better? Like what, what did I do today that led to that poor training session so that I can try and fix it? And once I have those things, it's behind me, you know, like it's the sessions over the, the training's done. Like I still put in the work. It may not have been perfect, but it was, I put in the work and I've, you know, I've learned something mentally that I can use to kind of move forward from that. And I think having that kind of process really allows me to compartmentalize so that like, you know, when training's done, I'm not beating myself up about training 24 seven. It's like, no training done. Now it's time to enjoy time with my son. Now it's time to go spend some time outside. Now it's time to read a book. Like, you know, like you can do those things that help you decompress and that help you kind of just not be in it 24 seven, um, and actually enjoy them, you know, like, because you're not still beating yourself up about training. You're not still beating yourself up about the missed lift or the poor performance or whatever it is. Um, you know, so I think in that sense, like compartmentalizing can be super healthy. And, you know, I think for a lot of things, whether it's like, if you go to work every day, you have a crappy day at work. It's like, all right, why was my day crappy? What can I do different? What can I do better? And then it's done because the day's over. And like, you know, again, I, I'm just not a fan of kind of like dwelling and dwelling and lingering on things that just don't need to be, you know, they they don't need to be present for longer than they are. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of, I guess the biggest way that I kind of manage it is just trying to keep, I mean, just trying to stay present, you know, like taking what lessons I can from a moment. And then after that, going on and moving on to enjoy the next moment, which is really easy to do when you, you know, when I pick my son up every day, it's like, you know, we just kind of shoot the shit for an hour and a half or two hours till my wife gets home. And it's just like super fun. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to be present because he's just, he's a super smiley kid and he's really fun to be around. So <laughs> it's definitely, that helps. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're pretty wise. Um, all the philosophy obviously has helped, but this obviously didn't come from the start, from your beginning days of regionals? That, that, or were you, have you always had this mindset? Has it always been easy to, to make that switch? Oh, no, definitely not. Um, you know, I'm like, there were definitely, like, I think in the early days of, I mean, one, I was younger, you know, like when I started CrossFit, I was 22, 23. And like, granted, you know, I had had some really formative experiences in college, I you know, between studying abroad, and then again, going on a backpacking trip, and just kind of like having a lot of time to myself, like, you know, there was, I had a lot of formative experiences. So I was def, I've definitely always considered myself an old soul. Um, you know, just, I always have been. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's hard to, 
especially when something's new, it's hard to apply that kind of like 10,000 foot view down. So like, especially when I was a younger, I was younger. So I was younger and dumber. That doesn't help. Um, you know, and just like, I was new to the sport. So I didn't appreciate and kind of understand the nuances. It was just like, Oh, like I just love this thing and I just want to do it. And I just, you know, I just want to strangle it with love. And, you know, like I was kind of in that initial phase throughout the first couple of years, especially at regionals and things like that. Um, you know, so I think it definitely developed over time and it takes, I mean, frankly, it took a couple of really bad setbacks to basically teach me what I was made of, you know, like I, I DNF'd out of my first regional, um, mm -hmm. you know, I had a couple of horrible finishes at my first couple of regionals in like 2015, 16, you know, I, uh, had some really misperformed, like misfires at the games in 2018, like basically lost events. I thought I was going to nearly win, you know, so like there was a lot of setbacks along the way. And like, they just kind of, I think when those happened, having a little bit of a base of like something that I found grounding, which was philosophy for me, like, you know, kind of like stoic thinking, like that was kind of always my grounding like it was just something I, that made sense to me. Like it felt like something that made sense and I could use it as a way to make sense of the world. Um, and throughout, through setbacks, I kind of realized that, Hey, like this is dealing with it in this way is a way that makes me feel comfortable and makes me like, feels like it allows me to grow. So that was kind of, it, I didn't do it intentionally at first. I don't think it just kind of like, I realized what I was doing after maybe a couple big failures. And it was like, Oh, maybe I should spend some more time on this because it's working. And if I really hone the process in, then I can make it work better. Mm. And I think that was kind of how it started. Like, it definitely wasn't like, you know, I, you know, I uh, kind of had this mindset from the start by any, any way, shape or form. <clears throat> Tell us about, you mentioned now your, your 2018 um, games. Tell us about the 2019 games. Now, since 2018, nothing in this sport has been consistent. Everything has changed. The moment they took regionals away, Every, for me, everything just went like this, like imploded and it, it hasn't stopped changing. So for me, that's not an elite level. Even for me, it was very frustrating, but I can imagine for, for athletes like yourself, you know, you plan your, your season and this year is kind of like your old regional setup. It's just called something completely differently. But the 2019 games was something for me personally that was it seemed like a good idea on paper, maybe not even. And in practice, it was just, you get people that travel from Lord knows where up in Africa that pays some to go to the games for one workout. I mean, granted it was still their decision to go, but the concept for me, the idea of it just, just didn't make sense. You got cut in which event? First event. The first event. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Tell us about that because yeah. yes, you live in the States. This is not your first trip to the games. Tell us about what happened and that disappointment because obviously it was not your first games, but you obviously did not <laughs> expect to get cut yeah. after something that obviously you think, or you, you know, a, a rope climb, it snatches, it's a run. You do this in the gym every single day. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely, you know, I think, I mean, going back to like not taking anything for granted, like the 2019 games where it was like this massive change and you're like, well, is, is this the future? Like, you know, like, are we going to be competing with 130 people every year and they're just going to slash the field in half over two work, you know, like, so there was definitely a moment of like, you know, well, one, I hope this is in the future because I don't like this, um, you know, but the personal opinions about that aside, 
Um, I mean, yeah, the event itself was, I mean, it was definitely going to be a big like gut check for me because legless rope climbs are something I've historically struggled with. You know, it's just, I'm a big guy. I'm six feet tall. I'm 200 some odd pounds. Like I'm, you know, I'm a big dude. Um, so we've had to work really hard on them over the years and they've definitely held me back at times, but we've been pretty relentless in our pursuit of getting, you know, getting better at them. So I looked at it and was like, all right, well, here's your test, man. Like this, like literally event one, this is, this is basically going to test everything you've done for the last 12 months. And if you pass the rest of the weekends, probably looking really good for you because your fitness is where it needs to be. Like, like everything felt really good. So it was really just about kind of getting over that first like hurdle. Um, you know, and I think from a, if you look at it from an elite like competitor perspective or even from anybody at the, like anyone that was there at the games perspective, it was just a legless rope climb workout. The rest of the movements yeah. were relatively irrelevant. And the um, weight you know, so was even, pretty, pretty light for you guys, you know, for the elite, the weight wasn't a problem. Exactly. And, you know, like, and the rope climb, so, you know, and this is just, uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is as an, this is an unemotional retelling of what I thought going into the event, you know, like, all right, it's legless rope climbs. I thought we were told they were 15 feet. Um, but when you got out there, the rig was definitely not 15 feet tall. Um, and they put us on crash pads that were about three feet tall or probably two feet tall. Um, and they dropped because they were meant to be bouncy. So when you stand on it, you drop another like 12 to 18 inches as you sink into it. And you also couldn't jump because the crash pad was bouncy. So you couldn't jump into the rope climb. Really. You basically had to start from essentially like standing. So, I mean, in my like mind, I did my first rope climb and I was like, well, holy shit, that felt like 17 to 17 and a half feet because I actually have 17 foot ropes at my gym. Like, and I, I train on them often enough, but you know, probably, obviously I didn't do enough 17 foot legless rope climbs. I did 15 <laughs> feet way too much. Um, but you know, so like within the event, when I did that first rope climb, there was an immediate moment of like, okay, you need to change your game plan to this workout completely. Because again, this is a movement that you were going to have to game plan intelligently anyway. And after doing the first one, I was very, you know, it was very obvious to me that this was going to be a much more daunting movement than I had initially thought. Um, so, you know, I was like, all right, we're taking a little bit of extra rest. It's no big deal. Like, you know, it's just stay nice and steady. Again, we're just going to like, we're going to manage this as best as I could. I got through two rounds and I was like, you know what? I actually feel pretty good. Like, you know, I'm, I think I'm managing fatigue. Well, I'm in a decent place in the field, you know, not towards the front, but I wouldn't expect to be in a, in a workout that was very legless rope climb dominant. Um, <clears throat> so I came back from the third run and I went to climb the rope. I got up once successfully and I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little tired. Like I probably need to take a little bit of extra rest. And on my second rope climb, I got a no rep. So I got to the top got no rep. And as I came down, heard the judge call it. And I was like, well, shit, um, definitely don't have any of those to spare. So that's not good. Um, so, you know, it, it was at that moment that I was like, all right, you know, I am experienced enough to know that once, like once rope climbs go away, they are gone. Like they're not coming back They are They are a hundred percent gone until the time cap comes. Mm -hmm. So like, I, you know, I was like, all right, whatever, no rep. It's all good. I took my chalk and I just walked down my lane. I was like, all right, just like walk it off, take 30 or 45 seconds. Make sure that you don't miss this next one because you can't like, again, you can't afford a second, no rep. You can't afford to get failure. So I came back 
I completed my second one successfully and I was like, okay, just one more. And then we're back to the snatches. It'll be okay. Um, and I frankly don't really remember exactly what happened, but I got no repped again. Um, and it might've been a mix of, I was getting too close to failure and skirting the line. Like I didn't make the touch obvious enough, or I may have just failed and missed. Frankly, at that point, I was a little like, mm not as present as I would have otherwise liked to be. Um, so I missed. And at that point I was pretty well aware that I was in trouble. Um, you know, so I, and I took my chalk, I walked down the lane. It was like, all right. Like, I think I took over a minute of like, I was like, all right, just like you, again, you can't afford failure. Like just, you know, try and be smart, manage this as best as you can. I took over a minute to a minute and a half off. And then I went back to try it again and I was at failure. You know, I got like three quarters of the way up, had nothing. And it was at that point, like, you know, after that, when I got near the top, but just physically couldn't go, like that was when the world kind of just like came crashing in because it, up to that point, I was happy with how I was managing what was going on. You know, like, again, it wasn't going well, but I was managing it as best as I could. You know, I was taking intelligent rest. I was trying to, you know, manage the fatigue as best as I could. I was trying to, you know, trying to do the right things. Um, but at that point it was like, all right, you have, you're officially, that was it. You know, like, like there's only five minutes or four minutes left in the workout, like, and you're at near failure. So like I rested, I want to say like a minute and a half. And I was like, all right, just get the damn rope climb done. Mm -hmm. Um, but the damage had already been done. I had done, you know, that was my fourth, fourth and a half rope climb of that round and it was supposed to be a set of three so you know I was climbing the rope for my fifth or sixth time and it was just you know it was gone um so you know it was and that was the moment where I was like all right you know I realized that I probably had missed the cut you know I was like there's no way that getting capped in the third round of this workout is going to be enough um and yeah I mean just like the you know I mean the feeling of like I've probably never been more disappointed in myself um just because you know, again, it's like you come down, it's like, all right, there was obviously some execution errors, you know, in a workout that was very high stakes, high stress, like just didn't, you know, like there was a lot went wrong, you know, it was definitely not a great, it was going to be a hard workout for me regardless. And I didn't execute it as well as I needed to. And it cost me everything, you know, it cost me the first cut at the games and my, you know, I mean, a horrible finish and a horrible mental place, you know, so it was just, yeah, it was, it was all things bad. Um, and for, you know, a couple of days after that, everything was pretty bad. Like we, my wife and I hung out in Madison for, I want to say like 12 more hours. And we left first thing the next morning, uh, we rented a car and we just drove back across the country and we stopped along the way. We went to breweries. I got pretty drunk each night and, you know, it was just like, you know, just like to try and, you know, like I vented a lot. Like we were in the car for like 17 hours. Like I talked a lot. <laughs> um, you know, just cause again, like, trying to pro like, just trying to process, like trying to get all my emotions out, trying to get the frustration out, trying to figure out what I did wrong, what I did right. Like just, you know, I mean, just again, trying to like, kind of what I alluded to earlier, just trying to get the, get it out. Like, you know, like process and deal with all these feelings of like disappointment and like you let everybody down and just being pissed off. Like just the whole realm of it, like just deal with it. Um, and I did. And I mean, honestly, it took us three, three or four days to drive home. And by the time we got home, I was like, you know, I felt, I was like, all right, like it's over. Like, that, you know, again, like that was it, you know, 
there's nothing else you can do now. It was obviously a horrible result. It wasn't at all what I wanted, but I mean, it definitely fueled my training for the next year exponentially because, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you fail on the biggest stage possible and you never want that to happen ever again. Um, you know, so it was just like, it was definitely the most disappointing thing of my competitive career for sure. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it fueled me for the next 12 months, you know, it was like, it gave me a vengeance for legless rope climbs. It gave me a vengeance for just like, just proving to myself that I'm so much better than that. You know, like it, it really kind of, yeah, like I said, it just fueled the next 12 months of training. Um, so the very long winded story was that, um, mm. but you know, it's, again, it was, I'm a firm believer that from the biggest setbacks, they're also the biggest growth opportunities. And, you know, I feel now like I feel fitter than I've ever been. I feel mentally stronger than I've ever been. You know, it's like the little things like getting a no rep in an event are just laughable. Now it's like, Oh, that sucked. Mm. It's not getting cut from the games in the first event, you know, it definitely gives you a little perspective as far as like, you know, just those other little setbacks that are bound to happen throughout your, you know, throughout any journey. But yeah, it was uh, a little something else. (laughs) I had this exact conversation with um, one of our South African athletes that her that was her very first trip to the games was in 2019 mm-hmm. and she got cut at the, the first event because she went up for the first rope climb, came down and all her skin on her hands just went gone as she came down. It's not that she can't do legsless, but then she had no skin on her hands and obviously couldn't even finish the second rope climb in the first round. And um, so she said that she had this absolute fear and trauma for a legless rope climb, you know, and and had to kind of work around it. And with Fittis in Cape Town this year, obviously you, you've been to Fittis in Cape Town, but with the semifinals this year, there, there was rope, ropeless leg, oh, yeah, ropeless leg climb, legless rope climbs. In, in yeah. And then she jumped up and failed the first one. And she's like, oh shit, okay, well fuck, here we go again. And then eventually, you know, you yeah. she she did pretty decently in, in a workout that she previously got cut from the games. Did you spend like a lot of time working on them, making sure that that doesn't happen again? Do you have a little bit of fear or trauma thinking that, okay, 2021, what if he programs legless rope climbs? Like, is that in the back of your mind? Are you comfortable with them now? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel more comfortable with them than I ever have. Um, you know, because we've, I've, we've literally done legless rope climbs probably twice a week. And on those days, we also do a ton of strict pulling volume. We do, you know, dead hanging, single arm hanging. I mean, like a variety of exercises, you know, single arm tempo rowing, like just more things than we have ever, like, you know, in the past we were doing those things. Like, you know, we weren't being, it's not like we were being negligent. Um, we were doing them, but we, at this point we're like, all right, we obviously need to do them more. Um, so, you know, like we really hammered it to the point where, I mean, Legos rope climbs definitely don't scare me in any sense um, because we've done them so much and I've had so much exposure to them now that even though I'm still not going to be the best legless rope climber, like maybe one day, probably not, but maybe, um, you know, like I know how to manage them. And like, the more you get exposure to it, the more you just realize like in different workout settings, in unfatigued settings, in fatigued settings, like we've just, we've kind of toyed with them in so many ways that like, you know, the goal is to expose me to them in as many ways as possible. So that whatever situation comes up, I have something relatable that I can be like, okay, this is kind of like that workout we did X, Y, Z months ago. 
this is how I approached it. This was the amount of rest time I was taking between this is how often I was chalking, like just kind of like, you know, having all those little data points and touch points. So it's like, all right, I know roughly what I should be doing. And then again, it just comes down to execution. Um, so no, I, mean, I would say they definitely don't like, you know, they don't make me nervous or hesitant at all. You know, I, you know, there's a piece of me that definitely hopes we see them because again, it's like the only way you can know if you got better is if you do the thing. You know, it's like if, if they don't program legless rope climbs at the games, I'm not going to know if I got better. Yeah. So, you know, part of me, you know, there's a big piece of me that wants the challenge. And, you know, hopefully, even if it doesn't go well, like as long as it goes, you know, for better. me better. And feel like, yeah. Like, you know, I feel like I execute it better. And like, you know, at the end of the day, that's all competition comes down to is like if you execute events to the best of your ability, there's nothing else to there's nothing else to be upset about. Yeah. That's it. You know, like if you execute the event best you can based on your training, yeah, that's all you can do. I mean, there must be a little bit of relief knowing that there won't be cuts or not that we know of going into the games this year. I mean, there's only 40 athletes. How much can you cut? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, you know, and that's a big relief just in the sense that like, you know, and maybe this is like, I mean, not purism, like, you know, kind of like a lot of games athletes that have been at the games and, you know, from 20, you know, 12, 13, up until 2018, there was this sense of like, you know, there's 40 people there for the weekend and you're all going through the same grueling test. And like part of the, part of the test that is the CrossFit games is your ability to serve, I mean, to survive the entire weekend. Like, you know, to, to make it to Sunday and to still be performing to, you know, to face the test head on, to deal with the soreness, to deal with the unknowns, like all those things, like that's part of, you know, I think to a lot of athletes, that's part of what made the CrossFit games, the CrossFit games, you know? So like when that was taken away and there was cuts and, you know, you didn't get to participate in the entire test and there wasn't this shared experience of going through the whole weekend together, like, you know, I, I think it just felt kind of hollow to a lot of the guy. Like, and again, I'm speaking guys because I know way more guys than females, you know, at that level. Um, you know, I, I think there was like just this sense of like, just kind of that it felt incomplete. Mm. Um, you know, whereas this year it's like, okay, like again, you know, I, I think Dave Castro has gone on record to say there won't be cuts this year. I think I remember hearing him say that in the podcast, maybe. Um, but either way, you know, it's like, yeah, fingers crossed, you know, but it's just like, all right, well then here's this sense of normalcy where it's like, I'm going to compete for four days through a physically and mentally grueling test with the other best athletes in the world. We're going to come out the other side and we're going to know exactly how we stack up because we all took the same test. You know, we all did all the same events, like, and there's definitely a sense of relief from there because again, that's what I think a lot of us feel like is what the CrossFit games were all about and kind of have been about from the start. So I think that's, there's definitely relief in that sense because yeah, I, yeah. Relief would definitely be a good word for that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite a, a tough few weeks leading up to the games. Now your training wise, obviously it's going to be intense. And do you do game simulation weekends? So this year is a little different because of how short the turnaround is. Like in years past, regionals were a little sooner. Yeah. Um, and obviously sanctionals, you know, like if you qualify out of the open, you have, you know, like seven months to train for the game. So you could, you know, you could do cycle after cycle of whatever you, you know, whatever you thought would prepare you best. Um, whereas this year, like usually in years past when it was regionals, I want to say we would have anywhere from like eight to nine weeks to prepare for the games. So in that uh, format, we would usually do a, a mini camp right in the middle. So we would do like a three to four week prep phase. 
And then we would do a weekend where we would kind of simulate the games, not quite as aggressively, but mm -hmm. like, you know, within reason, my coaches would come up, a couple of training partners would come up and we'd make a big thing out of it. Um, whereas this year it's a little different because like, you know, I was, I competed the second weekend after taking a couple of days off, I only had six weeks to prepare, you know? So there's not really a lot of time to do a huge up, down, up. Like you, you basically kind of have to prepare for six weeks in one direction. Um, so there's no time for like mini tapers and things like that. So um, yeah, so I'm, all that being said, I am doing, so one of my sponsors is hosting a games camp for our athletes out in Colorado in a week and a half, in two weeks, two weeks. Um, so I'm going to go out there and like, it's not going to be a full game simulation, but it'll be a camp where I'm competing with other game. You know, uh, Sean Sweeney will be out there. Brandon Luckett will be out there. Cody Anderson. So there'll be some other guys that have, they're competing at the games this year. And like, we're going to throw down obviously in full competition intensity and format. Um, but we're not doing it with the intent to destroy ourselves as if it was the games, mm -hmm. just because again, it's, there's just not really like no. the games takes all the you know, physically and mentally takes everything from you. Um, you know, so there's not really a lot, there's not really enough time to kind of do that and then be in peak shape for the games two weeks later. Mm. Um, so yeah, this year, this year is a little different, um, which I actually, I mean, I don't mind it because I mean, not to, not to sound like a wimp, but games training is really hard. Um, <laughs> you know, so like having like a, you know, having a, a more condensed period where it's like, all right, you know, you're, during semifinals prep, we were doing a little bit of game style stuff. Like we were getting in the water. We were, you know, we were doing things that were kind of preparing under the assumption that I would be able to get through, but not putting all of our eggs in that basket. Obviously we were still training to peak for the semi. Um, so we started to do some exposure earlier on, like doing a lot of odd object stuff, working on, you know, yokes, sandbags, a lot of the weird elements you see at the games. Um, but yeah, and then we're basically into a, just a quick or a, a full on six week ramp up to the games at this point.